nice things. Hello, good evening and welcome to another fun-packed, thrill-filled edition of Nice Things. Nice Things. The antidote to modern living. And joining me for this special 12-month anniversary dish is... Uh, my name is Paul Carmichael, and this week I can eat some chocolates because for the first time in a month I no longer have toothache. Ah, the nerves have died off eventually, have they? The nerves have died off. I mean, I did try. It was about three weeks ago. I tried a little bit of home dentistry with uh, some tweezers, and I just mm. stuck them yes. into the tooth and had a delve mm. and pulled something out. I think I explained on, on the pod. Um and I thought, well, that must be it then. But no, it, it then it started hurting again, which means I've pulled out something from my own head, which is probably important-ish. And I yeah. felt it go from here to round here. It felt like I was pulling something like that. So yeah. I don't know, maybe my jaw's going to fall off. Um, I don't but, think they do fall off, unless you're, of course, you're Sigmund Freud, who ended up with, with uh, he'd lost most of his jaw by the end of his life, hadn't he? Why? He couldn't stop smoking. He couldn't work unless he smoked, and that's what he said. So he had various aspects of his mandible removed, uh, and so he didn't have much of a jar by the end of his life. I, however, have stopped smoking. You have? I have. You have. Indeed, I have, because I've got another cold, which I'm sick of getting. So obviously there is some deficiency in my health regimen. Um, Therefore, uh, in order to avoid going down the... uh, the Stoke Mandible path, like Mr. Freud. Um, yeah, we've ditched the Siggy. So we've got a man vape. We've got, You've got a man show, vape. Shall we, shall we there we go. Not the same, however, you know, we'll see what they do. Anyway, enough for we will. teeth. Your teeth, your tooth's better, so you're eating lots of chalky. Well, I'm not eating lots of chocolate. I mean, I've literally just thought that these have been here since my birthday, which is, what, four weeks ago. Um... So I thought, maybe, oh yes, let's, let's give those a go later. But I can't be bothered, actually. I've not eaten chocolate for four weeks, and I think that maybe I've gone past the addiction point. Maybe, yeah. yes. The uh, It's like that uh, the nutritionists say, isn't it? It's like, is it really you that's driving the car to the supermarket for the donuts at midnight, or is it the microbes in your gut? It's me. No, because sugar addiction although it's very, very real and it's very all-consuming, is generally because you've got uh, microbes in your stomach that make you have it because they feed on the sugar. So with you not eating sugar for four weeks and you say you've gone past it, it's because the microbes have died off. What sort of people are driving to a supermarket in the middle of the night? For, for, For chalky and tuck. People like me, I used to do it. I'd do that old, uh, the old trick of standing in the garage at two in the morning, stoned out of my mind like that, you know, in me slippers, you know, and I'd be like, oh, yeah, and uh, and Dave wants a Twix, and uh, yeah, Alan wants a Mars, but buying all these chocolate bars, and the, the whole attempt of the performance was to convince the man behind the ramp that I'd nipped out of work to get everyone's chocolate on the break. Oh yeah, now uh, and Colin, Colin wanted a, a, a Snickers. Yeah, mm. bollocks. There's some fat fuck stood in his bloody garage at two in the morning in his slippers, stinking a weed. <laughs> he knew exactly what he was up to. And then as you'd go, he was like that. Oh, how's your mum, Mike? Oh. <laughs> so, so the subterfuge never worked because they all knew I was a, a lazy bastard who. Well, no, absolutely. See, we we wouldn't have this problem here because, of course, the shops shut at a respectable hour. You don't have a garage open late. 
Not past ten o'clock, no. And no. The majority of the shops still close. They do half day on Wednesday, and they still close for an hour at lunchtime. So yes, your village is nineteen fifty four, isn't it? Do you does your garage still have a little SO blue flame man in its window? Like Sadly a sticker? not. No, mm, no, it's like been that. taken over by a supermarket, so we don't have that anymore. Oh, which but, supermarket? Oh, uh, Morrison's. Oh, dreadful. He yeah. should have stuck to uh, singing Light My Fire, shouldn't he, that fella? <laughs> Instead of uh, starting up those um, supermarkets. He should, dear. Though well, they should. do very nice cheese and onion rolls. You ever had those, like, sausage rolls, but filled with cheese and onion? Oh, I have. Ooh, oh. Very doggy, dear. They're very nice. Ooh, they're good oh, when like you're stoned those. out your mind. You start, oh, <laughs> no. Yes, Morrison's Pastry is an interesting... Uh, it's... it's uh, it's an odd beast because it's it's mm. they very much go for the short crust. They do actually, and it's uh, they do a steak pie, mm. which doesn't ever taste like I want it to taste. It always tastes like it's burped. Yeah, yeah. Steak pies generally taste of dog sick, don't they? Well, I wasn't going to go that far. I mean, oh, is that chicken I've and mushroom? Burped. That's chicken and mushroom. Right, that's it, yeah. yeah. No, it's it's like somebody has burped into it, but not a dog has burped into it. It's not quite that far. A burp baked into every bite. There we go. There's you should slogan. put that on the posters. I think in these times of austerity, we need new ways of actually marketing things. There you go. Well, the World Economic Forum, who seem insistent on us eating insects, that's the thing, isn't it? You see articles in all the newspapers about uh, eating crickets and stuff like that. So I'm sure they'd approve of us uh, dining on burps. I I could become a millionaire. Oh, well, you couldn't actually, because you've just said what the idea is, and we've broadcast it, which means you can't copyright it now. But when I burp, you can hear me in three counties, as you know. That's very true. Yeah. Oh, there's some welly behind those. I don't know where they come from, my burps. I've no idea. (laughs) I don't know, because it's just like, when I do them, it's just like, I remember once being stood. I don't know why this is even funny. This was 30, this was a burp I did 30 years ago, and I'm still pissing (laughs) these fucking sides at it. I remember talking to someone in traffic on the high street, and I downed a can of Tango, you'd be pleased to hear, rather than the modern Fanta, the Nazi Cola variant, which seems very popular now. And I downed this can of Tango, and (laughs) and I just stood looking at me, (laughs) and the traffic drowned it out and I just had my gob on it was like and then the traffic passed and I couldn't hear him or me all I could see you know when someone's pissing the pants like you are now it's just his his face of incredulity as he was just like wow what is this noise yeah yeah burps I have known that should be the autobiography Oh, that'd be a good one. I mean, you, you do they not hurt ever? Because sometimes they really do sound like they're ripping something. No. No, not mm. at all. Um, as a sort of inveterate, greedy bastard, um, I, I believe that um, I believe that my gullet and all the other business down there, what's it called? A, is it called a duodenum? Or is that your skin? No, duodenum. It's your duodenum. Yeah, so it's sort yeah. of like, you've got to remember, Paul, where I come from. You know, I'm descended from thousands of years of scum. And so, well, yeah. you know what I mean? Um, yes. And so we're very hardy people. I mean, if you put poison in my food, I'd be all right. Be like mm. Half an hour going, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> and they'd be like, right, what's for fucking dessert, mate? Uh, but you say that, and yet you have a cold about every four weeks. Yes. 
Now, is this modern living that has caused this? And maybe it's you don't have the right structure to cope with this modernity. I think that if I was sort of either down a pit or in a mill, I'd be all right, you know. But because you put me in amongst young people with my job, they carry infectious diseases and stuff, don't they? Yes. You know, plus there's you. How am I responsible for this? Well, I, I, I think like sort of like Vasquez when he encountered the Native Americans. When you emerge from your village, um, and you encounter people like me who've just come out of the nineteenth century, mm-hmm. we don't have um, resilience. We don't have any kind of defence against your modern germs. You're in nineteen fifty four, and I'm in eighteen eighty. Well, absolutely, but I mean, I'm only bringing... I know I couldn't be bringing anything that much more than you would have experienced. I, mean, I don't have... know. You pass underwater, don't you, to come to work. I've always worried about that. I'm always a bit worried about that. Yeah. I'm always very concerned that the tunnel is going to give in. Yes. I remember and when I don't I drove understand you how it that. hasn't. No, I don't. I, when I drove you through it the other week, I was like that. I was like, oh, heck. You know yeah. what I mean? You sort of you're don't realise that you're in it. for spots of water. Mm. Oh, I don't like it at all. No. I think that might be all the shit telly we watched as kids and continue to. Tunnels were never structurally sound in never. television in the 1970s never. and 80s, never. were they? No, never. No, that was why they were wonderful. Well, that's true. Yeah, tunnels have always got that menace, haven't they? Like in The Signalman. Mm. That's a wonderful sort of... Um, oh, God, it's beautifully shot, that tunnel. In the What's signal. that film? Well, especially as it was not a tunnel, it was bricked up, wasn't it? Like, mm. just a bit. What was that film when we were kids that was terrifying that ended with, like, a paper chase and a kid going into the tunnel and a train whacking him? Sounds like that a children's... public information film. Was it? I don't think so. I think it was one of them CFF films. Are you sure? Because I remember I, I must have seen that more than once. Oh, right. straight away, it was on that's every go, oh. Easter and stuff, wasn't it? I know it could be. Although the Children's Film Foundation normally end on a on a light note, not with a child being mown down by a passing train, as I recall. Normally, it's Patrick <laughs> Troughton doing a comedic act rather than death. Public information films, though, I can imagine it could have been one of those. It maybe. was a film. It was definitely a, a film, as Lionel yeah. Blur would would do. Like yeah. it was a film, but I mean. Right in. Right in, if you know. I'd love to know what that is. I'd also love to know what the Children's Film Foundation film is with Patrick Troughton in, where a bunch of kids uh, end up running a local newspaper. Oh, now, straight away, I was about to go, a hitch in time. I didn't know he'd done more than that. No, I I can never. I've I've looked and looked and looked. I always remember he had a rather lovely um, Silver Rover 90 in it. Mm. Um, But... um, but yeah, I've never known what that was. What the hell were we on about? Burping. Burping. Burping, right, yes. Yeah. Um, we were on about burping, but prior to that, we were on about teeth. Um, yeah. Mm. Right. Yeah, so your teeth don't hurt anymore. That's good. Teeth Sugar. don't hurt anymore. Well, I mean, the, the issue here, of course, that I, that did make me quite cross is that uh, I have ripped something out of my own face, probably needlessly now. But I know who's responsible for this. Hashtag? What's that? Um, ooh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. It's bloody would I lie to you on the telly again. Oh, no. It's that. Now then, as, as we've discussed, I have a... We Victoria, both have would I lie to you? I hate uh, it. You hate it because it's shite, and I hate it because the theme music is ill-befitting to a parlour game. However, you know, they get um, Bob Mortimer on occasionally. I thought you were going to say Bob Munkhouse then. No. Uh, he gets Bob, they get Bob Mortimer on occasionally. I like Bob tells, Mortimer. 
Now, he's brilliant on it because he's had mad things happen to him and he tells people, and it's, you think, that's got to be horseshit. And I said, that's a lie. And it always turns out to be true, apart from occasionally. It. Yes. Oh, it's true, it, that. It's true, that, Vic. Well, yeah, sort of. But I can't remember now because he said he does his own dentistry at home. I can't remember if that was a lie or not on the programme. I remember well, he said do. it. Well, I do now, but this could be because of a lie on this programme that I don't like. Well, interesting you say that because I don't know about how your thought processes work. I think very visually, pictures rather than words. Don't know about you. Right. I'm very, uh, I have these returning images that come into my head. One is as, as sort of, <coughs> excuse me, uh, one of them is sitting in a bus shelter in the rain at the seaside. I always think it'd make a lovely setting for a scene in a film. Anyway, that's just the way my brain works. When you say you removed something from your teeth with tweezers, yeah. what I immediately see emerging, right, from this sort of hollowed out tooth um, is a skull bandit. Like a little, remember those little pillows? Yeah. Because I think that dentists use things that resemble them and they put them in your gob, don't they, to soak blood up. Like the stuff you find under a packet of meat. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you remember I... Skull Bandits? No. 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 When they banned tobacco advertising on the telly in the 80s, they started introducing, like, tobacco you put in your gob. Right. Called And it was made by a company called Skull, S-K-O-A-L. Right. Um... And they were called Skull Bandits, and they were allowed to advertise them on the tally. Around about the time when flip-top bottles of Grolsch started to appear in uh, on the shelves of your local Ash and Nephew. I didn't approve of those. Didn't you? No, I didn't, because wasn't there a thing for people Girls who were attaching... putting them on the shoes. Yes, that angered me. Now, see, I like that, because that takes me back to being 14 or something like that, and, and, and the girls that I liked did that. <laughs> Well, yeah, there is that. But on the other hand, just, no, you made them look like Morris dancers or something. I couldn't Well, yeah, it. yeah. Do you remember girls cutting the... Do you remember when Fleurs came into fashion mid-80s very briefly? Before they came back with a vengeance in 1989 with Manchester. Mm. They had a brief resurgence around 1985, 86. And I always remember this girl, Natalie Furhurst. And she used to... You had to wear Lee Fleurs, of course. Uh -huh. Uh, and they used to cut the Lee badge off the waistband uh -huh. and sew it onto the fleur at the bottom. Right. This cold make me, making me very whimsical for fashionable adornments by It is, but I, th well, I, I think we've avoided one thing here, though. So tell me again, when you think, you, you think in sort of like postcards. Pictures. No, that's just one recurring image, sorry. I should have right. made that clear. They're not all set at the seaside. Well, what use is that sort of like sort of that particular picture? If, say, for example, you've got to sort you know sort your car out, picturing the seaside is not going to help. I don't. No, it's not. No, it's not. And then obviously, I would have other stimuli. This is just at resting. So I have you a select a of... different picture. Yeah, I, I sort of have a number of different bits. Me head'll go to when I'm not doing anything, and I'll return there, and it's almost like a past life memory. Mm. And then as life goes on, it, the vision will reveal itself to me, and it'll be incorporated either into something I'm writing or something else. It has utility. I just haven't seen it yet. And then sometimes oh, okay. it happens to you. It's like, oh, oh right, yeah. that's what this is. It's a, it's a sort of foreshadowing. I see. Just I, me. I then. have, I have thoughts. Oh. Personally, hmm. this isn't the this... therapist's dear. 
No, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, mean, I, I can't. I'm just trying to think how I think now. Well, th- that's... Ax- What's the science called? It's axiomatics is thinking, isn't it? Right. Like Hamlet is, there's that whole bit about, you know, when he holds the skull of Yorick and mm. he's talking about what constitutes a human being. Is it the physical contents of the skull or yeah. is it the miasma, the consciousness, all these other things? And so the question of axiomatics has, uh, has puzzled humans since as long as there's been humans. What is thought? But I mean, Hamlet is an axiomatic play, isn't it? It's all uh-huh. about a play within a play. It's all about human consciousness. It's all about thought. And it's sort of contextualised and framed through a sort of, you know, this this ancient Greek plot, whereas, you know, the king is murdered by his brother. That's that's sort of, you know, that's, uh. the, that's the payoff. Uh. Um, but what is thinking? Phew, no one can answer that. Because no one can answer what consciousness is, can they? Well, no. I mean, we, we probably all think completely individualistically, don't we? To, I mean, to an extent. I mean, you to think an addictions. extent, there's autonomy. But I mean, young. Uh, but, young... Uh, but are we say, see? See, sure. Immediately, someone will say that there's types. Like we're we're meant to sort of like look at our students and say, "Oh, you're a kinesthetic learner." Ah, you now that's all been rubbish. Now, hasn't it? That well, thing? absolutely. But then I, I also think with this one, it's a bit. Uh, we I probably, can only speak I mean, anecdotally, though. I'm just saying that when I think, when I conceptualise, yeah. I do it in pictures. Um, but obviously those pictures are um, grounded on vocabulary. I mean, that's why that's why governments... That's why in 1984, we've probably had this conversation before, haven't we, about uh, what purpose it serves for governments to restrict and shrink language because the smaller your vocabulary, the more limited your thinking is because the example O'Brien gives is love and hate, doesn't he? They're, they're not binary. Between love and hate, how many different shades have you got? Mm. Fondness, dislike, contempt, you know, and, and all that other stuff. So if you shrink people's thinking to just love and hate, and then as O'Brien says, we've now got it down to like and dislike, but now we're going to like and unlike so that there's no negative connotation on the word. We we completely limit the way people think. So although all thought is mnemonic and it's grounded in vocabulary, the way that you conceptualise your thoughts is generally either words and pictures, words or pictures. And with me, I tend to think in pictures. I tend to see things. For example, like the other day when we were doing the set for Frankenstein, right? Yes. You know, and I did those, what you refer to as fascist insignia, which were lightning bolts, (laughs) you know. Uh, But when I did that, I was able to look at the sheet and see it before I set to it, if you get what I mean. Right, okay. So... Are you then, are you picturing the set or is the set part of a bigger picture or are you literally, do you, did you conceptualise the whole show in one big blob? No, no. The way that it worked for me was that you have uh, a set sort of design and then mm. elements within it, such as the rug or the captain's wheel or the noose or whatever it may be, and so they were intended to denote uh, change in uh, location and change in tone okay. for an audience. Because yeah, that's yeah, how yeah. we must work. That's how you must have to work because we're all constrained by one stage, aren't we? Mm. When we're planning a show. Yeah, I suppose so. I and mean, I've always found that this is a bit weird, but yeah, my, my way of doing that is that the, the, the show sort of just arrives like that. 
rather than me having to pick it apart and think about it and make it a slow process. No, it finds its way around the landscape, doesn't it? You you create a place for it to inhabit. Well, sorry, this is me speaking. When you Mm -hmm. asked how I approached it, you create the landscape and then you place the actors within it. And when they sort of veer off course, like Louis Marx Daleks, you sort of have to drag them back and go, no, you stand there because you're in the garden. Now yes. you're standing there because you're in this world. And mm. and the props are merely visual cues for yeah. the actor who is then convinced about their own situation. You know, where am I, Uta Hagen? Mm. Um, and then because they're convinced, they're able to convince via their performance and via giving truth to a text, the audience. It's like, ah, right, we're in a garden now. I mean, we went a lot further in this, and I didn't. I didn't really want to do it, but I felt that it was sort of needed by putting, like you know, like the sound of birds in a garden and stuff like that. Yeah, I don't really agree with that. I mean, it worked in this, right? In this okay. scenario because it was, it was complementary to the acting, but I'd rather the actor did the job. Well, it, yeah, I mean, but then again, that's about helping out the audience, isn't it? And that's why we've got diegetic and non-diegetic sound sources that we will play in and we'll use them within the shows. And then there was the giant horse. And there was a giant horse, which was magnificent. <laughs> and I, I love that, the fact that you included a giant horse I didn't in the include it. It was, an it was a giant horse. There was a giant horse clopping across the stage. Two giant horses, actually, chasing each other. I was passed by one of our students. I was sent a, a giant horse count. <laughs> which I suspect had your fingerprints all over it. I suspect Literally you uh, commissioned to do. the giant horse count. So nothing for people who haven't got a bloody clear what we're on about, I did a load of sound effects for a show this week for my students. Yeah, and what Paul realised when they were coming out over the speakers yeah. was one of them, I disagree, one of them, <laughs> well, three of them according to you, contained... Mm-hmm. The sound of a giant horse. A giant horse charging across the stage. Now, it's I can understand this when we've got a street scene going on and they're all looking around going, oh, here we are in wherever it was. Okay, fine. There are going to be horses and maybe one of them comes a bit close to them and they could react, but two horses chasing each other, Michael. There were. There were two giant horses. Duncan's horses. (laughs) Yeah. I like um, the giant horses anyway. but um, You made me love them. I was yes. going to cut them after you pointed it out. And then I was like, you know what? I quite like the giant horses now. Absolutely. And so did the actors. They, they all learned notice to notice it. Oh, they did. I told them. Which is... Nice one. Yes. Had to be done, you see. Um, but no, I, I think the giant horses were marvellous, dear. I think but, it may become my signature. I think you should pop that in the next show as well, whatever yeah. that is. Whatever that is. But um, no, I, th- I think it's an interesting thing, isn't it? Because if you include, I mean, you didn't have a literal set, and I'm sure that the video will make its way out there at some point, but you you didn't have a set that sort of said house or anything like that. No. You know, you, you built that set up, placed the actors within it. And so I suppose then you do need those signifiers for for the audience. More than the actors, it's for the audience, isn't it? So that they can get a grasp on what you're actually trying to say and what you're trying to do. Um, and well, you've got obviously, remember. it's pure Brecht, then, isn't it? We're talking. It Brecht was because... very, very Brecht. Yeah, because yeah. It, I mean, it's 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 although it's a, a book written in 1818. Mm. Our first, our immediate um, frame of reference is the Universal films of the 30s, isn't it? Really, mm. and so oh. within that, it, it suggests German expressionism, and then. Yes. 
you know, as an extension of that, you go to Brecht. I mean, there were certain elements of it. I mean, you know, you, you're then tied by the constraints of what you're given. So we had all that angular steel platform, mm. didn't we? Which yeah. then in your head, it's just like, oh, it's Bauhaus. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, your, your brain, because the human brain has this sort of capacity to contextualize and assimilate and, and do the old, uh, what do they call it? When it's simulacra, when you, 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 you find significance in things that isn't there. Mm. Um, and it just all suggested itself to me anyway. It was yeah. just, it was just a sort of um, 20th century German rendering of a 19th century English book on oh, absolutely. a 22nd century stage. With with a mixture of contemporary and old music as well, which again, mm. you know, that sort of off we go into non diegetic territory, and we're we're giving the audience sort of like something that they can associate with clearly and emote with. But what was lovely is you used that specific piece of music at the end of Act One in one of the most heightened moments of the play, so you get heightened acting with lovely chill out music from 2015 and I think that that was caused this lovely juxtaposition within an audience then doesn't it because the yeah. audience don't quite don't quite get what they're watching am I watching a piece of classical theatre am I watching something more modern mm. than that and you can polarise an audience with that and I love polarising audiences it's my favourite thing yeah yeah absolutely well, I hope because... half the people watching this hate it well they probably do I mean, I mean probably do. whatever it for whatever the reason it worked and it worked really uh, good when, um, you know, when Laura placed all the sort of um, the movement work into it and stuff mm. like that. And, yeah, yeah. And it was really good. And the cast were really, really good. I'm very proud of them. Mm. But when it comes to uh, approaching a stage production, right, so where do I start? Well, that's that's it, really. It's it's a basis around which the actor must navigate their way, really. Yeah. I mean, when you did uh, Macbeth, recently that was um that was a similar thing wasn't it you know you had the mountain there but it didn't disappear just because people were in a bed chamber or whatever it may be no absolutely and plus the, you know the extra fun and excitement of trying to perform the bloody thing outdoors <coughs> which was quite a laugh i must say um with the well very cold yes you've not been the same since yeah i've not um, you know i think i should sue you i i think you could sue me for this i'll have yeah, all your books and records but, Ooh, no, not the records. You'll sign them over to the wife, you, I know. Uh, I think I'm going to provide you with that. You can take the Ronald Allen wall. Yes. There you, you go. Stuart you Stuart Hall that. on me and sign it all over to the wife. <laughs> oh, God. So, but anyway, the other point, of course, mm. is this is a special national... What are we called? Nice national things. holiday. I nearly... Well, we've had a nice national... Did you have a nice national holiday? What holiday? The what Queen holiday? told you to take a holiday. I know, but unfortunately, pressures of work. She wouldn't agree with that, Brenda. Well, she would Brenda say, might not agree, but yeah. I mean, what can you do when you've got to get things finished? I think you could say to the people telling you to do this stuff, you could say, now look, the Queen has said that... Yeah, they don't give buy it a shot. that, really. Right, now then. Yes. You see, here's the thing. Go on. If we still had a powerful monarchy... If if Lizzie had said everyone gets a few days off, yes, and you had people who were saying no, mate, you've got to do this, mm. uh, yeah, you could actually you could have them put in the tower, and then you yes. didn't have to. Yes, that was, off with their head. There you go. So if we had a strong monarchy, all would have been fine, and you would have had a weekend off. A strong armed monarchy. Yes, but yes, the national holiday, the real one, is our one year anniversary, isn't it? 
Uh, we've done a yes, year of these. 47 year, we've done, so we've missed five somewhere along the way. I think that's not too bad, is it? I don't well, we understand both had, that. Well, we had COVID. We did. Two weeks of that. Yes. That wasn't nice. Did we not do anything Ill. then? I, I think all I did there was, all I can remember doing is lying flat on my back and just watching endless episodes of Dark Shadows. It was like some sort of horrific fever dream. I yeah. don't know what was going on for that week. No. Very ill, that's all. Very ill. Uh, so there were there, there was two weeks there, right? And then there'll have been a couple of others. Well, there was one two weeks ago because of my tooth. And so there's been a few. One. Yes. So yeah. actually, you're did... the sickly one here, then. Well, we both had COVID. I still continued working. Well, I was there. Well, I mean, yes, all right. But some of us, some of us take these things. You know, worse than others, don't we? Yes. I like Hancock the cold where Sid's like that to him, isn't he? I don't understand it. You know, I'm all right. And he's like that. I've got it. And I'm all right. He's like that. Yeah, well, they're all knackered after, after me, aren't they? They, <laughs> they give me all the best stuff. Yes. That's exactly it. Absolutely. Yeah, they're all That's knackered after. You've passed under the water and brought your river fever to me. From the 1950s. From absolutely. the 1950s. Yeah. That's so correct. a year of this nonsense A year now. of this so nonsense. That's... that's Quite something, isn't it? And why did we start doing it? Because what we should have done mm. is we should have started during the lockdown, obviously, shouldn't we? When these things were very popular and we didn't. We started it afterwards. Fashionably late. Yeah. Fashionably late. I mean, during the lockdown, what was I doing? I don't know. I was. I, I suppose I was intending to sort of hoover up all, all the things I could off the internet. I was buying things a lot. I was putting mm. all these shelves up. Yeah, I did an awful lot of buying during lockdown. Mm, yes, yeah. as as this, as people say, you know, there was no such thing as a lockdown. It was just poor people bringing things to rich people, and I think that's probably about right. Yes, yeah. well, they should have tried so, harder at school. Is that is that what that face tells me? It's not quite that. No, but no. I was like, well, what do you, should we have just said to them, right? You don't have to work either because they had they had work to do. So that's absolutely fine. Some of us couldn't go out because it was, you know... This was well, of course, we had to be shielded, dear, didn't we? I mean, well, the, 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 the nation's children did. need to be taught. There you go. So, at the end of the day, we were doing that. Now, I'm sure that if, they, if, the, if Mr. Amazon uh, wanted to do a job where he could stay inside, they would have let him. They sure would have done. I'm quite certain. I'm yes. quite certain. Um, but, yeah, we should have done it during lockdown, potentially. Um, I don't know why we didn't. Probably too busy no, looking don't. at our nice things. Probably far too busy, <coughs> absolutely. But yes, a year has passed. A year has passed. Yes. I mean, I would say, let's talk about the highlights from the show, but I can never remember a bloody thing. No, I remember Victor Madden's LP. Yes. Your lesbian fantasies about William Hartnell. Y- yes. Remember well, they that. weren't fantasies. Yeah, they weren't fantasies, though. They were... They were real, man. No, no, no. <laughs> I was just a little bit cross, that's all. And, yes. You know, picture it. Try picturing it and you'll see no, why I was cross. I just, oh. I, I don't know why, but I sort of imagine uh, Mrs. Brady, old lady in the nip, out of Viz. <laughs> you know, where she's got those sort of spaniels in his tits going down to her waist and all that business. I, well, I she's given herself a seeing to in this issue. Uh, yes, yes. I don't think Hartnell <laughs> would have uh, made a very attractive woman. I think he'd have looked quite quite remarkable. Do you? Put him in a little, little... Yeah, oh, God, if you'd have seen him doing drag... Did, he ever, he... did he ever look young? No. 
No, I think the earliest photo I've seen of him, like one of the earliest, is from about 1925. So yeah. he's... God, he was only born in 1908, but his hair's already thinning, and he already looks very cross. Mm. Um, And if you look at him in Brighton Rock, you know, which is a remarkable piece of work, he's only 36. That's crazy. He looks about 70 there, but he's 36. No, so uh, he's never looked young, Bill. Doesn't he end... Is he the one who ends up going through the banister in that? No, 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 that's someone else that's... Oh, I can't think of the character's name. I, I love those watch. films, though. I mean, that's 1948, isn't it? Um, mm. Richard Attenborough. Doesn't he direct it as well? Um, no, no, he doesn't direct this one. He's just stars in it. And I think... Is it Michael Crichton? Yes, it is. Uh, Michael yes, Crichton. Is. Yes, um, that's correct. And then, of course, you've got the you've got the controversial slight rewrite in Brighton The ending. Rock. The yeah, ending. I suppose we shouldn't spoil it for people. I love the ending, though. Oh, I think the ending's beautiful. I now. loved. I think the ending is so poignant and poetic. Yeah, it just gives you like the tiniest little bit of hope. Whereas yeah. in the book, it's basically no, you can't yeah. have any hope. Gone. Yeah. So I, I like that. What I, I love about those old British gangster films is the way they talk to each other. I'm gonna go down there, see, and then I'm gonna yes. see Pinky, see, yeah. and they always end with see on the end of a line. Yes. Oh, it's beautiful stuff. But no, Hartnell, right there, about thirty-six. Right, so he always looked like that. I don't think always. he'd have made a very, uh, very attractive woman then. I'm not saying he would have made an attractive woman. I'm just saying that if you'd have put him in drag, but, you know, like Monty Python-style drag, when they used to do the old ladies, mm. put him in a wig and mm. that sort of thing, and a little little skirt. But don't tell him anything else. So he, he'd just say, you've got to be on set, we've got the costume for you. And he turns up on set, and then just act as though nothing has happened, and see how long it takes for him to blow his top and say something outrageous or racist. I think that would have been wonderful. Is all that stuff true, or is that... Uh, I mean, I Which know Warris Hussain was saying that he was quite bigoted. Is that right? Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. a bigoted man. I mean, there was he worked with Max Adrian um, on Who... And apparently he didn't get on with Max Adrian and people saying it's because he's Jewish. But then he's got no scenes with Max Adrian, so he wouldn't have spent any time with him. So there's that. Um, I've never been quite sure. There's a line in one of them, um, which he suddenly shouts, which is, this is a madhouse. It's full of Arabs. Now, I must have a look at the camera script and see if that's actually on there, if that's just him um, having a shout. But no, apparently... But he had views that were in line with someone born in 1908. 1908, yeah. What would he be now? 114. Yeah. You yeah. Know, it's a long, long time ago. So views yeah. were different. Views have changed. Yeah, yeah. Um, like I say, I mean, it's one of those things, isn't it? You know, it, it's it, it's always tempting, isn't it? People now love to cancel people by yeah. framing them of the sort of opinions of now and what's acceptable now. Um, so the question is: After one year, yeah, what's your favourite nice thing over that year that you've you've acquired? Oh blimey! Favourite nice thing, I think. Oh, and I'm not just saying it because you're there, dear, but I, I think it's the old um, Radio Timeses. Oh uh, right, okay. The tenth and the twentieth. I'm yeah. I'm very very fond of those. They are being kept extremely in. in very carefully, That's um, good. and occasionally sort of like poured over for an evening. They, they are, are beautiful. very lovely. They are. I think very it's lovely. probably probably that. What about you? What's yours? 
God, I'm not entirely certain. I mean, I'm really fond of that uh, All Memories Great and Small book, mm. the, the All Creatures book. Yeah. Um, but I've managed to get hold of a few very, very nice books over the last 12 months like that. I'm just looking at some of them now. Um, I think that we need more, more books, certainly, on classic mm. telly. I think you should write one. Um, what would you write it on? Do you know what I'd do? Right. right. Um, and th this is something that I have considered, but um, Canary Wharf back at live TV. Um, everyone sort of like knows what live TV was. Everyone knows it was a complete disaster. But for them to then go, we're going to make our own soap opera, uh, pardon, which is only going to have five actors a day. We're just going to shoot it around the office whilst you're all working. Yeah. But and then it becomes something that's got aliens and and ghosts and. Well, didn't uh, you weren't you a writer on that? I did. I did contribute. Yeah. Hence the aliens uh, and the ghosts. Well, you know, I mean, if you go, if, if, we're finishing off our soap opera. What should we do with it? Well, I think the tower could vanish like the TARDIS, couldn't it not? Yes. Is that what happened? That's what happens at the end. Splendid. The Canary Wharf Tower takes off in a kind of a fading sort of way with thunder and lightning going off and all that sort of stuff. Um, but one of the actors in that, David Banks, I've got to know him quite well. Oh, and yes, he kept the cyber leader. He, cyber leader, that's right. Now, he kept a diary during the first six months of working on Canary Wharf. And it's really detailed and interesting and, and shows you what an absolute nightmare it was. So I think that that would be the book. I would try and persuade David. I'd try and say, right, let's get that out there. And I've got all the other stuff that we need to sort of like tell the full story. Let's let's do that. That's been at the back of my mind for a while. Wasn't Canary Wharf uh, a financial thing? In What, in the show? Yeah. No, no, it was um, Canary Wharf was the headquarters of the fictitious TV company Live TV. Oh, that's a shame. You could have called it Banks and Banking, couldn't you? Oh, we could. Lord of Banks. Yes, Lord of Banks. We had someone called... We had two people called David Banks on it, which was weird. Pernod both Banks. On, but both on screen. But one of them was a big fat bloke who liked to sit in a pub and shout at people. That sounds like a good job. I <coughs> could do that. Oh, I, think I could so, honestly yeah. do that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. His show was literally him sat in the pub, one of the pubs in Docklands, so we could just get one camera there, and he'd have about six people with him, and then he'd shout his opinions about what was going on that day, and then he'd ask them if they agreed with him. That was it. That was it? That was it. That was the programme. It's called Banks. Oh, that, so he wasn't in Canary Wharf. He, was, he had his own show. Oh, no, he had his own show on live TV. Yeah. That sounds fascinating. Just a fat bloke shouting in a pub. Fat bloke shouting in a pub every day at lunchtime with about six people and we go, do you want to be on telly? Get in here. You and know, then, the trouble yeah. with that concept mm. is it was about 20 years too early. That's exactly it. Now then, if this was on now... <sighs> be huge. It would that be absolutely would be huge. huge. We'd be in trouble, of course, because of the old topless darts and things like that. Well, the thing is that what you were doing was you were working within the sort of medium of the time, weren't you, which was cable TV. That was the delivery medium of the time. Had there been the internet, I mean, the fat bloke thing would have been like TikToks and all kinds of stuff, wouldn't it? Oh, absolutely, it would. I think that, you know, now is the time when that sort of TV would work because it's weird that it had that half hour... Uh, schedule that we all sort of have got used to now, the old stripped schedule, so you know what's going to be on when. It's just yeah. that the things that would have been on were a fat bloke in a pub or the world's worst soap opera, which, when there was an idea to repeat it, 
As I've just remembered, the idea went around to pluck out selected episodes and repeat it and call it Canary Wharf Gold. And a memo came back from the top table that said we could only do it if we called it Canary Wharf Bronze because it didn't deserve to be called gold. Just rude. So we did. There you go. We go back to axiomatics again, giving things Uh, names and and therefore uh, creating perception of them. Um, Well... I remember live TV fondly. I, I used yes. to like the dirty films in the night. Uh, I used to like... Uh, God, her name's gone out of my bloody head now. Um, but there was a lovely Norwegian weather girl on there. Anne-Marie Foss. Wasn't there another one who was... Uh, Eva Bjertness. Which was the big one? Eva. Right, it was the other one I liked. Anne-Marie. I've yes, always Anne-Marie. had a fondness, a soft spot for gap-toothed women. I think that it's because, you know, the wife of Bath is notoriously unvirtuous, isn't she? Yes. Canterbury Tales. Yes. So I think oh, that's yeah. potentially that. But no, I mean, it, it, you write the book. Get the book yeah. written. I mean, well, there's the, I mean, there is a the book time. about live TV, which is lovely. It's called Telly Brats and Topless Darts, and you can pick it up now for about 50p on Amazon. And I recommend that to anyone, because... The the way it describes some of the situations, this lovely thing, which was a live uh, VT coming from Trafalgar Square, and there was literally one outside broadcast van that was being used for everything. And the motor that put the aerial up from the van didn't work, so you had to turn a big handle to get the aerial to go up, and it would shudder up, and you could just well, get a uh, signal back to Canary Wharf. So one day they're doing this live outside broadcast from Trafalgar Square, And some drunks noticed what was going on and started getting a bit leery and trying to get into shot and things like that. And during a commercial break, there was a big mistake made, which is somebody told them to, quote, fuck off. Ah. No, because all of a sudden what you had was people throwing bottles at the van as it went live back on air. And the way the book tells it is brilliant because you've got one person back in the gallery at Canary Wharf shouting, you've got to get me pictures, I've got nothing to broadcast. To which the reply comes from the van, fuck you, they're throwing bottles at us. (laughs) And then the other person in the gallery starts shouting, fuck you, back. And as the book says, at this moment, the whole channel is being controlled by two people shouting, fuck you, at each other. And and it was like that. It was wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah, it was very guerrilla, wasn't it? It was very, um, like I say, it was 20 years ahead of its time. Oh, it was. It really was. interesting to see just... I mean, I don't think it... Well, it wouldn't happen now. I mean, are there any new TV channels these days? I mean, isn't a TV channel now just repeats with sort of like a a box controlling it? It basically is, isn't it, now? I mean, you don't get... You don't get people investing in startup channels because they cost an awful lot of money. Mm. And take the politics aside for a moment. When GB News launched... I think the big problem there is they thought the same way as was thought at live TV, which is you don't need loads of people. There's always hundreds of people working in television. You don't need that. You need one person to do a 50. And no, the reason that you've got so many people in television is because each one of them needs to be there for when it goes wrong. If you haven't got people and you haven't got money, you've got crap telly. And so we've had two channels, two news channels start this year. And both cases, seriously, underinvested. There's not enough money being put into them. Even though one of them is by Murdoch, hmm. they're not putting enough cash into them. You know, television TV is, costs. The age of television is is ended. I mean, it's over, unfortunately, because it's, you know, when it's good, it's very, very good. But, um, hmm. I mean, TV is like a time capsule now. It's like a museum piece, the way in which it's produced, because people, you know, can create content on one happy 
bit of news today about all that stuff is that uh, isn't Piers Morgan's new show doing terribly badly? Terribly badly. Lovely. Yes. Mm, Lovely. It's getting. It, it was last heard of getting something like ten thousand viewers for an Lovely. episode. Lovely. Wonderful. It just shows you when you're sort of. Because the brand is everything, isn't it? Whether oh, people like to admit yeah. it or not. It's like Peter Rogers with the Carry On films, wasn't it? When uh, Who was it who wanted their name before Carry On Whatever? And it was one of them. It was one of them. And, and it was just they wanted it above Carry On Whatever on the post. Oh, okay. Um, and he was just like, nah, nah. Mm. Nothing comes before the name. I mean, they wouldn't have called it a brand then. No. Um, and I think that the likes of Piers Morgan, when they are detached from things like GMTV or like mm. ITV or, mm. you know, journalists when they end up leaving a big organisation and they, you know, oh, I've set up a sub stack and come and subscribe to me and all, and all this other stuff. And nobody wants to know it. It's a strange thing that we we are in this sort of brand identity culture. We trust certain brands and mm. then other brands. I mean, they spend millions, don't they, on branding, what colour to put next to each other and, and all this oh, other God, business. Yeah. Like, you know, oh, the tone meetings these days in production are insane mm. where you've got to decide on the feel and the colour and the texture and all these sort of things you know um, just just put just point the camera at some actors and tell them to do the do the lines and that's, that's the all trouble. That you need to do that's yeah. the trouble what you had once upon a time were pioneers in mm. the same way that you know when people talk about oh who will be the next Beatles well nobody because it was virgin territory nobody had done that before I mean arguably Elvis Presley but, I mean, because of um, his manager, Colonel Tom, being an illegal immigrant in the US, you know, Elvis never played outside of America. And no. that was the reason, because he didn't want to go anywhere. Plus, he could st stick all the money in a, a bag. Um, but um, how can you do something that's been done for the first time again? It's just impossible. Well, that's it, and that's why, you know, when, when you watch some of these lovely, lovely early things, you watch that first episode of the Quatermass Experiment, mm. and they're trying, they're, they, they don't know what they're doing, they don't know how to make telly, so <clears throat> give it a shot, see what happens. That's you know, it. It's, but it is brand new territory, or again, when you've got Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz inventing the three-camera shoot for sitcoms, nobody, nobody can do that again because they've just done that. Yeah. And it's not change. You know, these things need the, the basics yeah, it's, it's novel. to be there. It's yeah. novel. And, and so that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, when Andy Warhol said pop will eat itself, well, pop culture, mm. I mean, it is. It is. And people are constantly trying to regurgitate the past instead of innovate. And it's mm. not to say that there is no room for innovation. There's plenty of room for innovation. But as you yourself just said, nobody will fund it. Nobody's no. interested in funding it. I mean, you know, there's some great bands out there who do incredible, incredibly innovative music, and they're marginal. And there are people out there creating great theatre, and they're marginal. All these things are marginal because nobody sees the point in chucking money at it. What they want is a safe bet. So no mm. doubt they gave Piers Morgan, I hope he gave Piers Morgan, millions mm. to do this show that's, like, dying on its ass. That's fantastic because what they need to learn is that, you know, the path well-worn is well-worn. It's, you know, tried and tested. is tired and tested. People people want something new now. People will, in the same way they'll vote for, you know, the Labour, Labour Conservative Member of Parliament, as Ron Paul used to call it. Mm. People will, you know, show loyalty towards certain brands and stuff like that, whether that's mm. newspapers or... T I mean, it's, it's to me, it's unfathomable, you know. But it's a... 
it's such a strange thing, but you're right. I think that if you detach yourself from Good Morning Britain, where you've you know that you're going to be shown seen by three million people, I think the hubris to assume that therefore they will all stop what they're doing and follow mm. you. That's quite something, isn't it? And mm. well, I mean, what seems to have happened is basically um, we're being told he's gone on a six-week holiday. Okay. Oh, good. So he's gone now. Well, he's gone. The show is uh, somebody else is uh, is doing Piers Morgan tonight, which is an unpleasant thought. Um, but no, he's on six-week break, which, as I recall, was also what Andrew Neil did. Oh, okay, uh, right. Andrew Neil did that after about right well, after about is two weeks. At, it seems to be the, yes, the, the GB like News well. Code. Is that where he's yeah. on, GB News? Is that where he's No, on? he's on this um, other one that just started up a few weeks ago. I can't even remember oh, what it's called. Which, oh, God, yeah. There's, right, okay. Talking something. Oh, uh, Talk TV, which is Talk is, TV, isn't it Talk Radio, it. but on the telly. Basically, yeah. Right, okay. But you you talking about people doing stuff like this. Do you remember when Jack Doherty on uh, his Channel 5 chat show, um, oh. when he was, wasn't it because uh, he was pissed or something like that, he didn't turn up for it or something, and, and, and Graham Norton did it, and well, you know the rest. Yeah, something like that. That's right back in, what, about 97? That was when Channel it's 5 was a long time ago, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no, I do just about remember that. But I think that what this maybe is showing is that in the States, okay, you've got these, you've got, don't forget the size of the states, the individual states. You know, one state of America is the size of the UK mm. with probably a similar population. So if you do a local regional service, that's like us saying BBC One. It's mm. the same reach. Yeah. You know, they've they've got ABC, they've got the Fox Network going across the entire state. But then their regional stuff hits a massive audience, whereas yeah. our regional stuff hits a tiny audience. And you can... You can take that even further uh, away from that audience simply by saying, well, it's one subject, which is going to be other people's opinion, which you're going to listen to. Mm, really? Okay. Mm. I'll listen to their opinion. But then it's this tiny audience stuck away on Sky, and, and the assumption mm. is that it'll somehow be a success. I don't know and where they get the money from. I mean, did you hear about CNN people. Plus in the US? Oh, God, no. So CNN tried to launch some kind of pay-per-view channel, which was called CNN Plus or something like that. And within six weeks, it's gone. Mm. CNN Plus is gone because nobody is really watching telly anymore. They're just not... Even if it's on in the corner, I walk about, right? Mm. And in the old days, you know, you'd walk about and people watching was quite a nice pastime in the old days because you'd have the old girls who'd be out on the front sat on chairs yapping away or whatever it may be. And now all you see when you go past houses now is that sort of blue flicker. Yes. You know, the hypnotism, the hypnotist in the corner. But if you actually... If you know they like me, dear. If you actually have a peek through the windows, you will see that mum... Mum is sat there, you know, on her phone, her iPad. He's sat there on his laptop. The kids have got a phone each. They're not even watching the bloody thing. No. You know, but unfortunately for society, when people are bombarded with information, so you've got a telly in the corner. Oh, I'm not watching it. It's on. Mm. It's on. I don't care what you say. That stuff's being drip-fed into your subconscious. So you're taking in information from there. And if you watch <coughs> a, a rolling news station, you'll notice they wear the uniform, don't they? They've got the suit on, right? Mm. Men and women, right? They've got the power suit on. So, you know, again, this sort of human association, I can trust this person, they're wearing a suit, okay? Yes. 
nice haircut, all the, all the business. So you've got that element of reinforcement. Then along the bottom, you've got a ticker tape going, yes. which is reinforcing what the bloke in the suit is saying. And uh-huh. then in the corner, you've got a graphic going. And then it's like neuro-linguistic programming just constantly reinforcing the same message. So it starts to become worrying when you dig into who owns these companies because they all have other interests. So there's oh, that yeah. element, right? Mm. So Neil Neil had that great song, uh, didn't he? Ego Warrior, which was, uh, we have had enough of information overload. Mm. And this is what he was talking about. So you're absorbing that telly in the corner, whether you like it or not. You've got a device in your hand that, if you've ever seen The Social Dilemma, that movie, that documentary last year, where they say, the designers of Facebook and Twitter say, it's designed in order to get your attention. It's designed, mm. we design the algorithm. If we want to make a bunch of people feel happy or sad, then we tweak the algorithm and decide what they see. Mm. So this is the thing, this is, this is one of the fundamental problems with society right now because it's perception that shapes behavior. Mm. And so if your perception is based upon all this overload of information, you know, I don't know about you, but when I go around people's houses with the telly or whatever it may be, or if I spend too long on social media, I I start, my thought processes start getting scrambled. I literally can't think straight. Mm. No, I no, mean, I do find that. I, I do. I mean, I've made a very conscious effort recently to not have rolling news on mm, because it was yeah. doing me absolutely no favours at all. It's a, oh, he's gold. a horrible thing. Um, just Can constantly you hear me, being told. Oh, he's back. Oh, sorry, mate. Hello. You went yeah. the, um, oh, oh, okay. Um, no, I think the, the I... last bit you said was about you've made a comment. In fact, it'll be on the audio. But anyway, you made a conscious decision not to watch Rolling News. Yeah, um, just because I, it was just doing me no favours at all. It was incredibly stressful. And mm. it's that feeling as well about not being in the loop. Of why I need mm. to know what's going on. No, no, you don't. But that's no, an anxiety induced by the, the sort of the taking of this drug, this soma that the the peddling, isn't it? I think it's partly that, but I think there is also what we've now got, of course, with, with social media, is that everybody gets their opinion out there. Everyone gets their voice out there. Everyone will be and famous for 15 minutes. That's it. But the worry is, of course, that people think, therefore, because they're saying it, they therefore have the right to demand that others listen to it. I'm guilty of this myself, of course. I think mm. we probably all are at some point. Mm, absolutely. So there is that, that worry of not being involved, not not knowing what's going on. Um, and you're kind of driven to think, but I am important within the grand scheme of things because people see what I write on Twitter or something like that. Me not watching breaking news hasn't caused Putin to drop the bomb yet. So no. suddenly you realise, well, actually, I, I have no significance in any of this whatsoever. It's just like a very boring drama. Yes. Well, I mean, they're all vying for your attention. That's mm. that's their admitted stated aim all the time. And what you describe there, um, it, it taps into that very, very um, fundamental need for humans to have status within a dominance hierarchy. You know, you, you I am interested. I mean, I, I, I'm damn certain, I've never looked into it, but I'm damn certain that there are uh, multiple diagnoses people have for not getting enough likes or not having enough followers or whatever it may be. Um, because people, I mean, you see it all, the t- I see it all the time. I mean, we are used to, we're all guilty of this. We're used to, you know, these things grabbing our attention. It's like, oh, I'm just, I'm just nipping on here. I'm sending a message or whatever it may be. Mm. But 
at least we know what it was like before having those things. And we do have a frame of reference whereby we've, we've got that awareness. It's like, you know what? I'm doing too much of this. I'm going to, mm. I'm going to put the crack pipe down. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to limit this. I'm going to stop that because you've got that awareness of what you will like. What This isn't what I'm like. When I see young people with it, it's literally, you know, they cannot sustain any form of attention. No, it's weird. It's not weird it because they've never known anything different. Well, that's it, isn't it? They haven't. And I think you're right. I think we are quite lucky to have had that period where where you didn't have that constant distraction. I found a lovely um I found a lovely letter when I was going through some of my grandfather's old stuff where I'd written him a postcard from Grasmere in the Lake District. Um, on the Monday, knowing that the Royal Mail would deliver it the following day, um, to say, oh, please, could you record Journey into Space on Radio 2 at 7 o'clock? Um, and the fact I couldn't send a text, there was none of that. I had to actually send a postcard. I miss that. Mm. I miss that. Do you know, it's, uh, I miss letters, in fact. Do you know, when the post really started in London, there were eight posts a day. Eight God. deliveries a day because so many things were being sent. So they would deliver the post eight times a day, very early in the morning till last thing at night, just to keep people in contact. But by that lovely sort of, I love that idea, the I romanticism. Wonder, uh, I wonder that. how many of them were dick pics. Uh, get the old dirty lithographs out, would you? Yeah, here's a drawing of my penis. Yes. <laughs> I don't understand that, but anyway, no. there you go. There yeah. you go. Yeah, I mean, that, that, but again, this is about the sort of um, the destratification of society, isn't it? It's about keeping us all in our little boxes, our army of one, whereby we do believe that in an almost psychotic way that we are um, in some way important in the grand scheme of things. I will post this new story on Facebook and thereby I have saved whatever it may be. And people have this overinflated sense of importance, but... You know, as Theresa May, who's not just a shampoo, she's a real woman. As Theresa May said, you know, um, Britain is not Twitter. No. And, and and so many people don't use these things. And when you go round these people's houses, or you see them, they think you're fucking nuts. Mm. I saw someone, an old lecturer of mine, Dave Arrington, lovely man, lovely man, very reminiscent of Terry Scott. And I saw him in Wilco a couple of months back when I was uh, in there. And we were talking and that. And he was on about something. He's like, oh, God, he doesn't that. Yeah, I'm on that Facebook. I hardly use it, though. But, God, you know, he was on about somebody we both know. He's like, yeah, he doesn't have post an awful lot. And I was like, oh, okay. Anyway, I went back home. Of course, I'm straight on Facebook to have a look at this person. They'll put maybe a post on every three days. Maybe. Right. And that is an awful lot to people who don't use it. Mm. So I do wonder, I, I'm going to try when we finish work, not that we are allowed to know when that date is. Oh, that's, no. a, that's a mystery, that. Oh, yes. But I'm going to try to not go near the internet until I go back to work. I really am. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on a mental diet, as Neville Goddard called it. Okay, so does that include, what, podcasts and... Oh, I, yeah. Um, well, no, not podcasts, obviously. Oh, yeah, and the Twitter, George. Go to your <laughs> I know, yeah. Well, oh, well, apart from the podcasting and the Twitter, and, yeah, yeah, then you start apart doing it, that. yeah. I know, no. mate, I know. I know. It's, it's, it is, it's difficult, it is difficult. I mean, not just keeping off the social media for a bit. 
That could be a very good. But you're very good at that. You're very good at just going no, poof, delete my account yeah. for a while. Yeah, oh, oh excuse me, dear. Um, yeah, you've got no, to. It's... You've got to save you. I, I can't think straight. I don't know about you. I don't know where that mm. David Bellamy stuff comes from. But there you go. That was very good. Mm. Um, no, I, I think you're right. I think it's it's nicer to have an occasional sort of like little lapse of these things. We don't need. Yeah, them. I fancy what I fancy this summer is a spiritual journey of fasting and contemplation. I really, honestly, I do. Starting at the solstice, June 21st, I'm going to, obviously we're in work, yes. so I'm going to have to go and find, I must go and search out my nearest stone circle so me and the other weirdos can meet up. And oh, I think that's a lovely greet idea. The morning. Yes. Greet the sunrise. I think that's a lovely idea, why not? So I, yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, have you, any nice things this week? No. Been too busy. Have I bought any nice things? I bought a car two weeks ago. We spoke about that. Yeah. Have I bought myself anything nice? Oh, I bought myself some... Um, no, that was... No. Um, I bought a vape. I bought this, because you told that's, me to. It's that's not nice. a necessity. It's, a necessity. It's, it's nice, but it's a necessity. Let me think. Do you know I've not... I have not. I went online yesterday. I was like that. You've worked very hard, Michael. You deserve something nice. And I looked for the crazy annual 1985, which I need. And I looked for the Buster Book 1963, which I need. But I think I've bought everything I wanted ever. I'd, I'd honestly do. Oh, well. There must be something. To, ooh, There'll be something. Oh, you had some lovely, exciting news that we can't talk about. That's a shame. Which, what? Which news? Think about it. I can't. It's only I last can't. night. Oh, that's very exciting, but we yes. can't talk about it at all. Oh, yeah, that's shit, isn't it? That is shit. Yeah, that is really shit. Um, no, we can't talk about that. I'll oh, tell well. you what. Yeah. Sorry, come on, you've got a point. No, I was, we'll be able to talk about it soonish i think be soon she said be soon yeah. Il yeah. Baker. Yes. Um, one thing that we not talked about was yeah. a very nice thing which has recently been lost which was dennis waterman dennis waterman dennis waterman man god almighty i mean it's so strange isn't it that because we all thought we knew him Mm. And and I think that that's been lost now. I don't think we have people because I mean, if you watch Coronation Street, or that was, was a bit uh, camp. If you watch <laughs> Coronation Street or anything like that, I've seen like snippets of it. Well, I say that it's probably twenty five years ago. But these mm. are all people with perfect teeth and perfect skin and all this other business. And oh, I'm yes. sure that most people, you know, do look like that in Coronation Street. But you don't have people on the telly anymore who look like people you know. No. No, you aren't going to get another Ina Sharples on television. No, or Dennis Waterman. Or Dennis Waterman, who just looked like your mate's dad. <laughs> he totally did. Yeah. That was the great thing. What's lovely, though, you know his daughter, Hannah Waterman, she's, yeah. she acts as well. And she just looks like she could be someone's mum. I do like that, that there are a few, you know, a few people, but you're right, on the whole, we're not going to see another Dennis Waterman, because he won't be symmetrical enough or something like no, that. No, I'll tell you who do cast some interesting-looking actors, though. Um, mm. There's a show called Ozark on Netflix, or one of them, I can't think which. 
But some of the actors in there is just like, wow, where did you find this real looking person? Because it's so unusual now. You know, um, people who look normal on the telly now are novel. You That's know, very that. true, yeah. These days it's just, you'd, you're not going to see normal looking people. It's the idea that you've got to see beauty, not mm. character. Um, and I think again, that's the it's the dilution of drama in the country, isn't it? Because if you've got less drama, you've got less characters, less character yeah. actors needed, and you can just show what you've got around the same few people, Sarah Lancashire, repeatedly. Plus, working it's, class people, you know, it's this is not a new observation, is it? But I mean, no, not at all. They just don't get to um, attend the top drama schools, which means they no. don't get into the higher echelons of the industry. But Dennis, mm. what's your earliest? Dennis memory. Well, now, obviously, I've immediately got a bit of an issue here because of if you think about the shows he was most famous for, they were ITV, ITV shows. ITV, yeah. So, um, and I remember the Sweeney was uh, something that. Um, oh, my mother hated the Sweeney. The Sweeney was point. outrageous, though, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. She hated it to the point where I almost thought it was to be an, an American program. She hated that. Mm. Um, and yeah, but it was great uh, for uh, seeing. Topless ladies. Oh, yeah. That but, was the best uh, bit for a young lad. It was like... Yes. She hated Minder as well, of course. Oh! Oh, no! no. I've, I don't think... I don't think I've ever watched a full episode of Minder. Oh, dreadful. That is... I could even tell you the number plate of his Capri. SLE71R. That's how much I know the opening titles. Blimey. Yeah, so I think I, I think I would probably like it because I like George Cole. I think George Cole's a brilliant actor. Um, I, it's an I also, interesting I, point, though. Was what? Dennis ever a BBC man? He did a sitcom um, on the Up. On the Up, that's early nineties, and he sung the theme tune. Um, of course, he did. Naturally, that's the law. Uh, yes, I'm but sure. I remember him in, in that. a vault somewhere. He's singing the Sweeney one. Oh, probably yeah. The Sweeney, I, <laughs> the Sweeney. It's that lovely thing, isn't it? When when TV themes actually sounded like the title. Yeah. Oh, you don't great. get that anymore. So so you will not have seen Dennis at all. Not really. No. As I was growing up, he wasn't someone someone I knew. No, he wasn't a BBC person. I always remember. Do you remember Derek Deadman, who's still working by the yes. way? Yes. He was Ringo yeah. in Never the Twain and the Santaran leader in the Invasion of Time. Yes, I do. Yeah, he's um, dreadful. I always remember Derek Deadman. I always thought he looked like a sort of squashed Dennis Waterman. Oh, he does a bit, yeah. He, he had the same hair and everything. He wore the same jackets in Never the Twain. Yeah. Rocco, was he called? That's that? it. Rocco, not Ringo. Oh, no, it was yeah, Ringo. Rock. Wasn't it Ringo? Yeah, it was Ringo. I don't know. Fuck knows. I, can't I don't know why I'm doing a Dennis Lil. <laughs> so it's it's my stock Welsh actor voice. Very good, yeah. God, but, you um, don't know Dennis like I know Den new Dennis. I don't then, know. Do well, what's your ah, new tricks? No, didn't watch. No, that. but he did that. He did that. He did indeed. But that's a drama made post nineteen ninety two, and therefore too much money has been spent on it, it. So I'm not watching it. No, I could. Go on. I'm... What's your go on early early Den Den for you? What would that be? Oh wow, well, I mean, he was obviously Terry McCann. He was Terry McCann for me. Originally, and then they started repeating. Is that Sweeney. Minder? Sorry, Minder. Right. Then they started repeating Sweeney, mm. and so oh, why is why is why is Terry on the side of the police? This makes no sense. Oh. Um. So then he was George Carter, um, but he was always part of the furniture. It's a strange, strange sort of 
like he turns up in Man About the House as a German student. And he does an outrageous German accent. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. But he's got a beard in it. Oh. Yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. Well, every time you saw Dennis Waterman, so there was the TV Dennis Waterman, wasn't there? And then yeah. there was the other Dennis Waterman that we knew with the sort of smoky shades and, and Rula Lenska with the same shades on. Yes. Have you never seen him on? I thought you'd have seen him on Give Us a Clue. He did Give Us a Clue and stuff. I, uh, no. Again, I'm... Give Us a Clue was something that I only... I, I very rarely got to watch it. Wasn't it on at 9.25 on the weekday? No, 7.30 on a Monday night. No, really? 7 it would have been, wouldn't it? Because Corrie was half 7. Oh, well, forget it then. No, we wouldn't oh, have no. put the television onto ITV at 7 o'clock. Because he would still be on it by then, wouldn't it? And oh, we can't absolutely. No, we can't, can't have anything like that. Mm, no. Although, I, Dreadful. God, I love Give Us a Clue now watching Exactly, it. that's Abs- what I'm saying. Bloody wonderful stuff. But no, I missed out on that completely. You will not know him then. You just know him conceptually. I know him as a name. I know him as someone who had been on television, but when the news was announced he died, I'm afraid I greeted it with a sort of a, oh. Yeah. Be like like me when John Nettles goes. Well, I don't think we need to talk about that. But you know what I mean? He was a BBC man. Oh, absolutely, yeah. But then it's strange because, like, when the contract, when the big, big contract expires, then they switch sides, don't they? Yes, and he did Midsummer Murders. So, actually, yeah. I shan't forgive him for that. So, you can talk about him dying all you wish. Midsummer Murders is fat, uh, fat, is mad because it's a fat Bergerac, mm. isn't it? Mm. Bergerac's it is. great, though. Who's his girlfriend in series one, French actress? Oh, I don't know, because when did Louise Jameson get into it, then? Oh, mid, mid, like, series two or three. Right, okay. He's got this gorgeous French girlfriend in the first series or two. Oh. Absolutely beautiful girl. Um, no, can't remember. Anyway, um, again, it's these brands we associate, and, and they're sort of, like, company men, aren't they? Well, that's exactly it. Now, And this is why... I think next week sees the uh, conclusion of filming on Neighbours after 37 years. Never recovered because it switched brands. That that was strange, wasn't it? Didn't that General very Hospital strange. or something do that in the 70s here? Well, General Hospital here, let's see, it starts in daytime and it ran for about four years in daytime, two, two episodes a week. Uh, and then it became a an evening, sort of hour-long show um, mm. with a bit more money being spent on it. And it becomes, therefore, less good um, because of that. But, no, I mean, with Neighbours, the whole thing was, of course, you know, you've got it on the BBC. Everyone knows where it is. Oh, it's got brilliant ratings. See. But it went to Channel 5. And the natural thing should have been for the audience to follow. And people went, no. No, which it is, doesn't work like that. It's the Piers Morgan strange. effect. Very strange. We're because the show just jumped channel. All you had to do was press 5, not 1. And yet people went, no. I Very heard odd. of people stopping smoking because they changed the packet on the fags. You know, people are weird, people are strange, people as are. Uh, the man who founded the Morrison's chain once sang. Absolutely, um, yes. So I don't understand. Uh, Neighbours is absolute utter shit. No, um, no, no. It is really shit. It's not really shit. It is really shit. It's when not really shit. When did you last really watch it? When did you last um, watch it? Well, I, I last watched no, oh, no, I last watched a, an episode from the from the wonderful Neighbours Defining Moments DVD that I have to hand. You just happened to have it to hand. I, di- I literally did. It's just in this drawer here. Um, but no, I, I'll occasionally have a dip into this because it's, it's melodrama. Uh, melodrama and proper melodrama. It is. And no, it, it's really shit. It, 
No, it's not. It's a soap opera, but being a soap opera. And that's the problem. We've got confused in this country. We think that Coronation Street and EastEnders are soap operas, and they're not. They're serials. And there's a big difference. Soap opera, every day, 20 minutes, done. Whereas what we've done is we've taken these dramas and said they're soaps and tried to make full mm. drama pieces, but we're trying to churn them out. And the thing about soap is it should be almost live. Get it done. Get in, get done, get out. Simple as that. But EastEnders is a big production. It doesn't again, work like that. This is people, ta- these are professionals mm. telling the public, oh, this is what you want. Whereas I agree with you, they don't want that. But they, they want do. relatable. No, no, they don't want the way it's now made. Oh, no. quite happy with soap having its own identity and being a soap. Oh, absolutely. Um, And that whole thing of actually reflecting what was going on in the the nation, if you like. Yeah, 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 yeah. Crossroads did that. Coronation Street used to do that. And in return, you've got these lovely moments, like Pat Phoenix taking a camera to the back of the head in one clip. I love that clip. You've got things like that, and you go, that's Corrie. It's all right. But you felt, yeah. Yeah, that's right. There was a, a massive amount of... Uh, we were very forgiving. Mm. Um, and it, they looked like the people that were around me. They just they did. looked... Ex- Stan Ogden, Hilda Ogden, you know, where I lived, mm. Mr. and Mrs. Waterworth over the back could have like been lookalikes for them. And I mean, with the rollers and the scarf around the head and, and Stan's... T- you know... Mrs. Turner on the car. These people were real, you know. Mm. I mean, it was a real disappointment, weren't it, when you saw Stan and Hilda talking posh on, like, Shelley Roday or something oh, like that. Bernard like, oh, Bernard Ewans, when he wasn't doing his Stan voice, and he had this beautiful voice on him. Well, like, Bernard Banny Ewans yes. was, uh, was a famous dancer. Mm. does. You know, Banny. And continuity on uh, Granada before Corrie as well, so he had Is that, that lovely continuity voice as well. So, yeah, but then... Well, here's the question. Do those people exist anymore? Because no. when did you last see a Hilda? No, they don't. they don't. I mean, but this is the thing, isn't it? I mean, telly used to feed off society and now society feeds off the telly. Mm. Again, it's this reflecting thing. And I think that the mirrors, you know, it used to be a two-way mirror, but it isn't like that now. It's not. But on the other hand, telly can't change society in terms of these types of people no longer kind of existing. Kind of perception. It can yeah, be but, shapes perception, and that's what yeah, Telly's stated aim is. Now. It absolutely is. Why but, do you think they're called programs? Because they program people. I think it comes from... No, it balls. It comes from the ancient Latin. That's it why... Is, it, man. No, balls. I'm not having that no. sort of nonsense. I no. saw a video on YouTube, man. Yes, I know. And Someone posted that. I saw it on Twitter the other day. Why right. do you think it's called a program? So I spent ages. I wrote up the etymology of the word, and I said, that's why it's called a program. With strong arm Don't on give it. me that shit. Oh, strong arm was right on that. Don't give me your shit memes. Absolutely. Right, that's another cover. These are racking up now. You're going to have to take some stills so I can do the covers. Okay. Strong Arm. <laughs> yes. Right, this one. Strong Arm and the Age of Reason. Oh. Yes. I like that. Yes. You can take on these memes, bastards. That's right, yeah. Oh, I approve of that. Yes, yes. So Strong Arm and the Age of Reason. That's one that's got to mm-hmm. be done. And what was the one with TV Centre in the background? Was it Strong Arm and the Bad Egg? That's... <laughs> That was it. Yeah. We've got to get these done. I, I tell you, I just... I don't know what I'd do with them. I don't know what I'd do with them. I'm thinking I'd have, like, a, a sort of display of them on the wall or something. Well, I, I, think it's, I think maybe we've got the perfect place behind me as well here. that We can right. get them there for we next week. We shall get some stills this week. And let's, okay. let's get a couple of strong arm books on there. 
Let's do that. Fair enough. So there we go. Yes, there's a year and a probably year another one arm. to go. Yes. Yes. Yeah, and no shit memes. Um, but oh, I did get one nice thing this week. Um, tiny little thing, um, but it's a, it's a single. Oh yeah. And this is um, the song "The Streets of London," not by Ralph oh. McTell. This version, not no, 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 no. This the song is that makes um, you feel sick. Oh no, this is uh, the version by the Johnstons, who were a brilliant Irish folk uh, group in the sixties and seventies. Let me take you, boy, to hand. Oh, it's exactly that, but with harpsichord. Oh, it's beautiful. So, yes, I treated myself to that, but basically that's the only thing this week. Ralph McTell. I love a bit of Ralph McTell. Do you? Do you remember him? Yeah, Alphabet Zoo. Tickle on the Tom. Yeah, Tickle tickle on the Tom. But I preferred Alphabet Zoo because Neris Hughes was on it as well. Nice Neris Hughes. Oh, 1983. Ah. 83? You're on the cusp. On the cusp. cusp. Oh, no, I I, I recall being eight and so I want the tape. I want the tape they've released. And then Neris Hughes isn't on the tape, and I'm just furious. Oh, I don't blame you. I don't blame you. I think, that, I think that Kinder is, mm. the, is the sort of the polarising event whereby pre-Kinder, it's like, cool. Yes. And then after that, it's like, mom. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. I think that Kinder, we can agree, is the watershed moment. Oh, yeah, I think so. Especially too. that uniform. Anyway, so um, we hope you've enjoyed whatever this yeah. was. Um, I haven't got any nice things. I'm going to have to do try harder, aren't I? Yes, try harder. I shall encourage you to buy some things this week. When you're yes, tired and vulnerable, I shall say... I'm actually Ooh. feeling quite energised right now because I've just finished a shit ton. I know there's... I know. I know that, like, Noel Edmonds family christmas accident that sort of <laughs> big container that crate of shit is on a crane ready to hit me tomorrow it's like that the whirly wheel has been oh. spun and you're stunned underneath it however mm. right here and now yeah. i have the sense of achieve um as i've completed a lot of work so i'm happy about that um and you should be too what that you've completed it no that you've uh Managed to get an underling to complete all your work. Strong arm said he needed it. R-H-I-P. <laughs> oh, yes, Benton. Well, you've put enough years in. I think so. Absolutely. Right, so we hope you all enjoy your week coming up, and we shall see you next week, and until the next time. Goodbye. Bye-bye. <laughs> Presented by Sir Michael Livesley and Lady Paul Carmichael. The music was written by Michael Livesley and the flutes were played by Andy Frizzell and John No Jokes Please Lewis. Nice Things is a Guilty Dog production. Nice thing.